And um, it was crazy. And so, you know, one day my boss called me, like it was a Sunday. They were like, oh, yeah, the firm's, looks like the firm's going to go bankrupt tonight. And we don't know if the doors will be open tomorrow. So go get clean out your desk, like right now. I came out from the mold, red headed dog. Had big dreams, but my city was too small. Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Ben Hilaire, and right now you are vibing to the Dreadhead and Ted podcast. Right here, this is episode Sam. And right now we have a great young king, another Haitian, another Zoe on this podcast that's in tech, that's going to tell you how he got into the finance industry, worked on Wall Street, and from there on, he got into the tech industry. So what I'm going to do, though, is kind of like kick back, relax, and I'm going to let Fritz come up here, and Fritz will let you know about himself and also what he do. And you will also learn from this episode a lot about cryptocurrency. So kick back, relax, and just vibe with us, though. All right, man. Thanks for having me, man. It's an honor. Um, so yeah, yeah. My name's Fritz Charles, uh, native of New York. I'm an entrepreneur in the technology space. So I'm a founder of Coin Gamma. Um, we are a cryptocurrency content platform, so we have a mobile app, we have a podcast, and we have educational content teaching people about cryptocurrency and blockchain. In addition to that, we uh, I'm also a partner in a co- another company called Token Tax. We're like the internal tax for crypto. So if you trade crypto, we we make we make it easy for you to calculate your taxes. Oh, dope! I, li- I like the token tax uh, idea. I'm, I'm definitely dive into that a lot much more. So uh, just now, you mentioned that you are a native New Yorker, right? That's right. Uh, which part of New York were you uh, born and raised? I was uh, born and raised in Queens. Oh, Queens! Like, uh, how was yeah. Queens coming up, man? You know, like, was it? Is it how it is now? Cause I just, I just moved here like four years ago. Um, I, I'm in Brooklyn, though. Are you still in Queens, or did you move from Queens? Yeah, I'm in Jersey now, man. So, but I used, to, uh, yeah, I moved to, I moved from Queens years ago, like uh, over ten years ago. But my folks are still there, so I'm there all the time. I'm there like once or twice a month at least. Okay. Um, yeah, yeah. Queens, Queens. Actually, if I look at New York, New York has changed a lot. Queens, where I'm from in Queens, actually remain the same mm. um, for the most part, but it's slowly changing. Like. You know, New York has kind of had this gentrification thing going on. Everybody, all the all the neighbors they used to be bad ain't really bad no more. Mm. Uh, a lot of people have moved out, but uh, where I'm at in Queens is kind of untouched because it's kind of like deep out there. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, it's always been kind of a you know middle class, lower middle class. Um, a lot of people from you know a lot of a lot of uh, most where I'm from mostly black folk, but a lot of people, a lot of immigrants. Mm-hmm. Um, it's remained the same, but you know, slowly starting to change now. And w- which part of Queens uh, was that when you born? Hollis, Hollis, oh, Queens. Hollis yeah, Queens. a lot of people. If you're a hip hop fan, you may know about it because that's where um, LL Cool J, oh. DMC, um, Ja Rule, oh, they all from there. Um, you know, also you know, your neighbor next to me. You know, you had DJ Wu Kid, mm. DJ Envy, DJ Queen. Yeah, so a lot of uh, a lot of like people from like the eighties, nineties hip hop era came out of my my neighborhood. Oh, that's dope, man. And then I know you said uh, ten years ago you moved from there to New Jersey. Um, what was the reason? Was it family must have moved? Was it work? No, no, no. So actually, I, at that time I graduated college, and um, you know, um, you know, my first job out of school, uh, you know, I, 
I got paid a little bit. Um, I, I was working in Wall Street, mm. so I, I just I decided to invest in some property. And only I couldn't afford I couldn't afford property in New York nah. at the time, so I just bought some in Jersey because Jersey was cheaper, and that's how it was. And Jersey actually is closer to Manhattan than Queens is, depending mm. on where you are. So mm. it was a lot quicker to get to work because I used to work in Manhattan at the time. Oh man, so it's actually dope how you mentioned you used to work at uh, at Wall Street. So when you went to school, what what major did you study? I studied finance. Well, so I went to school twice. I got my master's, but oh. uh, my undergrad bachelor's was in finance. And what school did you go to? I went to Brook College, which is in Manhattan, New York. Um, it's a public school, and I studied finance there. I got my bachelor's there. But for my master's, I went to the Wharton School in Philadelphia. Okay, so now you went to school to study finance, and then you end up working at Wall Street. I mean, overall, from, I guess, what I've heard is... is one, it's hard to get jobs anywhere. You know what I'm trying to say? That's one. But two, as a, you know, young black Zoe, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. how did you end up in, in Wall Street, man? As, as a young black Haitian man, like King, how did you get that job at the college? Yeah, that was crazy, man, because you know how it is in our community, man. Our parents, you know, our moms are all nurses. Mm-hmm. nurses Doctors. You know what it is, right? And then, like, they tell you, you got to be a doctor. <laughs> That's it. You gotta be doc- not a doctor, a doctor. doctor. <laughs> yeah. And so that was all I knew. But I knew I wasn't really trying to rock with that. And nobody in my community really was um, in business. But I always wanted to do business. And so when I went to the school, I just started taking business class. I didn't really know the difference between accounting and finance, whatever. But I was in this program called Inroads, which is like this program that helps people from people from minority backgrounds get into internships at corporations. Mm-hmm. And so I was able to get my first internship on Wall Street mm-hmm. when I was in college. And then I loved it. And I just ended up getting more internships. And the cool thing is I went to school in, in Manhattan. So I was able to intern even when I was during the school year, not only in the summer. Mm-hmm. And then um, I was exposed to like the trading floor. And, you know, that joint looked like the movies, man. Mm-hmm. Like a lot of action, cats on the phone, yelling, screaming. I just love the energy. And I was like, man, I want to be a trader or whatever. And, and um, you know, I was able to, you know, I actually tried, I, the, places that, the place that I interned, Deutsche Bank, I wanted to be a trader there, but they were just like, nah, like, you know, they, their whole thing is like, yo, we only take traders from like, top schools like Harvard and mm. Princeton and all that. And I, I went to a public school. And mm. so I had to go back to school and just hustle. And I was able to get a job at a, a company called Lehman Brothers, mm. which, which is not around no more. But mm. at the time, it was a big deal. You know what I'm saying? So I did that. And uh, yeah, I got the gig. And uh, it was it was, it was it was pretty pretty cool. Worked there for two years, got promoted, did my thing. And then the firm went bankrupt. But okay, so before the the, the place went bankrupt, because um, because whenever we hear Wall Street, we hear like a lot of money being made. So yeah. was that the case for you when you were working there? Where you saw like a lot of money being going through your yeah yeah. I mean, obviously, I was in the beginning, so I wasn't making that much. But I mean, I mean, I was making more money than my parents, and I was mm. only twenty two, so mm. I was you know making more than hundred k. You know what I'm saying at that age, which is nuts. That is. Um, and then, um, you know, and, and a, lot, a lot of other industries that's hard to do. I was able to, I made trades that were like over like $500 million, like transaction yeah. on the phone call. Like, hey, I need to buy, I need to buy $500 million worth of um, S&P 500 right now. And that's yeah. what it is. And it was nothing, right? Yeah. That's how it was at these things. Your clients, 
move those that those kind of units, right? Yeah. Yeah. Obviously, you don't make that money, yeah. but for your clients, you 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 make that money for. So yeah, it was nothing for us to see for us for me to see a billion dollar trade or anything like that. So it was crazy as a youngin because like now you become desensitized when you see big numbers. Now overall, like, did you also live that kind of lifestyle? You know, you know, with Wall Street, like, were you like? On the private jet with, with you watch the movies and see like private jets and cats doing coke and all type yeah. of crazy shit. Nah, but nah, nah, it's not like that. I mean, it's it's some of the small firms like that, but like yeah. the larger Wall Street firms, like yeah. they really work hard to like get away from that stereotypical thing. So, mm-hmm. and also like if you work on the hedge fund guys, made a lot of money. So that the, so if you the way it works is like you got the Wall Street banks. They only work for their clients, and their clients are hedge funds. The hedge mm-hmm. fund cats make that kind of bread, right? Mm-hmm. But the Wall Street cats, they make bread, but like it's nowhere near like jets or anything like that, right? Mm-hmm. Like you may have a top cat that make that may make you know a couple million, which is awesome. But the average people are making like solid six digits, right? So like that's like a, that's 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 enough for a good life for sure. Yeah. It's not like private jet money yeah no, um, so i wasn't exposed to that but i was exposed to nice things like nice restaurants like you know do like me i never i never get on a golf course like i, I was able to play on the top golf courses out there even though i really know how to what i was doing but mm-hmm. I was you know i was able to go to different conferences and stuff so it was cool it was cool but i, I think i was still legit you know I mean yeah. i was still short fresh out of school so i wasn't i wasn't like going to the all the top meetings yeah. but it was it was an awesome experience Okay, and then overall, how long did, were you in there for before the company went bankrupt? So I was there for two and a half years. Everything was dropping crazy at that, that time. And, uh, you know, the firm stock was dropping. And then finally they filed a bankruptcy. And um, it was crazy. And so, you know, one day my boss called me, like it was a Sunday. They were like, oh, yeah, the firm's, looks like the firm's going to go bankrupt tonight. And we don't know if the doors will be open tomorrow, so go get clean out your desk like right now. So on a Sunday, I had to go to the office, get my get my stuff, get my book. I had you know notebooks, whatever. I had to go get them. And the next day, he called me and said, "All right, when the door is open, you come through." We went there, but we were basically working for a company that didn't really exist. The building was there, but it was not an entity. So. We didn't know if we were gonna get a paycheck, if we were gonna get insurance or whatever. It's crazy. But then three days later, we end up getting bought. So like Barclays mm. bought us, right? So you say you live in Brooklyn, so Barclays, the, you know, you know, stadium. Mm. That same bank bought bought the bought the uh, bankrupt bank, and so now we became Barclays employees. Mm. Um, yeah. So everybody, you know, for at least a short period of time, was able to keep their job. With your new company, but then, then Barclays started doing layoffs and started cutting people. I only ever keep my job, thankfully. At that point, I was like, you know what? Let me go back to school, get my MBA, and kind of rethink things. Okay, and then when you went back to school for MBA, it was the finance that you were studying. What, what, what did you study? Nah, nah, man. Funny enough, I went over there to study real estate because mm. I didn't really know much about tech or anything like that. But I was like, you know what? The only the, entre- the entrepreneurs I know, they're real estate. You know. Developer, so like maybe I should go there and I could do my own thing because the whole experience that I had with the bankruptcy, I was like, man, I want to do my own thing. I don't really want to be exposed to some big ass company yeah. where I can't control my destiny. And so um, I went there. I went to school studying real estate, and uh, you know, the school I went to was Warren. I was like, man, I was hyped. I was like, yo, that's a cool real estate school. That's the school Trump went to. This is like obviously nobody fuck with Trump now, but <laughs> I'm talking about back then, yeah. you know. And so I was like, yo, like this is where I should go. 
And I went to school there. And I was like, you know what? I don't really. I, I got exposed to tech, and I was like, man, this is where I need to be. Um, and so, um, kind of went. So I took some real estate classes. Actually, ended up switching and doing more tech entrepreneurship. And then um, I was really in them with mobile technology because this was like, this is right around the time the iPhone App Store came out. Mm. Um, and so, yeah, I just started digging into mobile technology and tech and doing tech um, in emerging markets, <laughs> places like Africa, mm. the Caribbean, and stuff like that. Okay, okay. So overall, just just to quickly recap. So basically, you went to school, you went back to for real estate, right? But then yeah. when you went there, some way, somehow, you end up getting exposed to tech. Walk us through it. Like, what made, What did you get exposed to that made you say, you know what? Let me stop the real estate route. Let me go to the tech route. Was it a person, a company? What was it? Well, it's all the above, man. I got exposed to, um, yeah, I, knew people, I ended up meeting people that actually used to work in tech. Um, I got exposed to, like, you know, um, like, research of how comp- tech companies were being built, right, mm-hmm. at the time. So, like, learning about how people, you know, all the time, Tech companies, man, it just started with like dudes in the in the garage. You mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? Like just starting something from nothing. And I just love how you could just, you know, you could just take like, you know, so I'm on a MacBook right now. Mm-hmm. You could just sit here in front of a MacBook and just be by yourself one day and then next in in ten years, whatever just that moment could go to you building a billion dollar company. Like mm-hmm. there's there's nothing else that could ever lead to that, right? Mm-hmm. Like you, you can't do that with a restaurant, you can't do that with a building. You can't do that with anything else, man. Technology, like, is 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 on another. I just love the scale. Mm-hmm. I love how you can touch a lot of people, and I just love how it's changing the world. Okay, and then now, now, okay, now after that, right? You got your MBA and all that. So once you were done with school, did you end up starting your own tech company? Did you end up working for a startup or a big company? What was the next step after? Yeah, that? I worked. So uh, one thing, one story of actually, one tech story I learned about when I was in, in school was in Kenya, people were text message using their phones to text message money back and forth to people, mm-hmm. right? Um, and then on my campus at the same time, Venmo was being created. So Venmo, mm-hmm. you know, the cast that started Venmo actually were, went to school at the same time. I went to well, school. That's dope. So like, I was like, damn, like people are using phones to send money back and forth and like, it's crazy. And so... I really, but also I really like the fact that people were doing it in places like Africa. And so I was like, all right, well, if I could get a job where I'm exposed to international technology, that'd be awesome. And so I ended up getting a job with a company that was based in Nigeria, but they weren't doing anything with money. They were just doing, they were doing content. So they were putting movies online. Mm, so like okay. the Nigerian movie market is actually the third biggest movie market in the world. After after India and Hollywood and Bollywood and Nollywood, Nigerian Hollywood's the third biggest. And so we um, we were the first company to build, build it online, bring it online. And so I worked there after school. So I was there for about two years. The company was, you know, they took venture capital money from all over the world. So the mm. uh, U.S., U.K., um, Swiss, um, not Sweden as well. Mm-hmm. So I was working in New York, but I was traveling to Lagos, Nigeria. I was traveling to London. Mm-hmm. Um, we used to have visitors to the website from over 200 countries. So I was able to see how different people around the world were using different pieces of software to access the movies. So in Africa, people were using different Android phones. In the U.S., people were using iPads. So it was cool to see that difference. Um, so, so that was what I did first out of school. 
but then on the side, um, I started learning about mobile technology, mm. um, how to build apps. Mm. And so, you know, one of my one of my one of my partners from school put me on to like making mobile games. And so I started making mobile my own mobile games on the side just to kind of just as a hobby and did that and started growing it out and started making more and more games and um, I was actually making more money than I was making my job so I ended up doing that full time mm, okay now as we wrap up the that job part when you when you got hired what position did you go in uh, for yeah so I did I was um I was uh, head of growth and okay. analytics so okay. when it, growth the growth side is really more about like making sure that people come to the website making sure that people uh when they come on the website, they actually convert to customers, right? Because mm-hmm. you can get people to come to your website, but if you're not doing the right things to make them become customers, you're not going to make no bread from them, right? Mm-hmm. You're just going to waste the marketing that you spent to get them to your website. So, like, it's all about, like, testing different things, testing pricing, testing um, different pieces of content, seeing what leads to the highest conversions. And then analytics, um, I was, it was just data, mm-hmm. right? So, like, seeing where people are coming from, Seeing um, how the how the company's money was coming from, what what was leading to the most monetization. Mm-hmm. So working with the engineers to make sure that the data structure is, is scales and things of that sort. Um, so that, that was that, that was my role there. Okay, now and then now once you started going towards the mobile route and to start coding, did you yourself like had to learn how to code? Was it self taught? Was it your partner? Was a technical co founder like? Yeah, That's yeah. Code like, how did you go about that? Like, did you end up learning code or did you just get somebody else to code? Yeah, so I ended up learning how to code. Um, but the cool thing about games is they had a lot of different, they had a lot of third-party tools, right? Uh-huh. So, like, I didn't have to code. Um, I was able to use templates, right? Oh, so, like, okay. if I was making a game, I didn't have to code the whole poker game. I could just take the back end of the, back end of the poker game mm-hmm. and then get a, get a designer to make out the the front end and mm-hmm. the, the usability mm-hmm. and out my coding would just be to put them together. Right. Mm-hmm. But then eventually I started making more stuff that didn't have templates. Mm-hmm. And I actually learned how to hire engineers that were based in South Asia because mm-hmm. um, they were cheaper. Right. So I would hire people in Pakistan and India to build for me. Mm-hmm. And so that's what I started ended up doing. So I was able to build, um, you know, the average, you know, a mobile engineer, Maybe in the U.S. would be like 100, almost 125 to 175 dollars an hour. Mm-hmm. I was able to kind of get people for 15 to 25 dollars an hour in India. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you said Vietnam, India, and so on, right? Right. Okay, and then uh, now from your experience, because I know sometimes um, people that hire freelancers from another you know place out the country usually have bad experience. Did you encounter any bad experience, or was it smooth selling for you? Yeah, sometimes you get bad experiences, um, but you, after a while, you learn how to filter it. So I used a platform called Upwork.com, and so you could you, you could look at people's ratings. You have to know how to interview people, right? So to see whether who's bullshit, who's not, and also you you never want to pay people the whole project upfront. B, you always want to give people a test project, right? So like if you have a huge application maybe you give them a little piece of it mm-hmm. just to see how good they are mm-hmm. and then like then you could kind of like ease them in um mm-hmm. but you also and also you want to break down a project in increments 
mm. right? And milestones, mm-hmm. right? So that way you don't get fucked. Mm. I know a lot of people that like, yeah, paid, paid, paid somebody in India like half up front or the whole thing up front, then they don't have the code, the, the person goes missing, yeah. all type of shit. If you know how to do it though, it's good because you're able to, you know, it used to be something that, it used to be the case where those people used to produce very shitty product, but mm-hmm. over time, like, if you, um, they've gotten a lot more, a lot better. So this, you can really build out a strong company, a strong product, leveraging people from those places. Yeah, no, that's very smart. And then when you were doing those mobile apps, was it only for Android or was it for iPhone? Um, and it was iPhone and Android, both of them. Yeah, a lot of times what I would do is I would use a lot of the same infrastructure mm-hmm. and just like, and, and then kind of copy it. So I'm making an iOS and copy it over Android. Mm-hmm. Obviously, I can't do it the same because it's different yeah. um, structure. Mm-hmm. But there's, there's different um, pieces of software you can do conversions. Mm-hmm. Or um, I would just have, I would just find an Android developer to, to kind of look at my iOS code and just like, you know, adjust it for what Android needs. Yeah, I ended up making it into a company that did develop games in general. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, we, we publish apps um, and we, uh, monet, you know, monetize them. And, um, you know, I was able to make, I ended up making a, a, a ton of different apps. Mm-hmm. And I ended up, and, and I ended up sell, selling it in the, after two years. Oh, really? Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay, no, yeah. that's, that's, that's amazing. Uh, okay, so kind of walk us through that, right? I, I guess before you before you got to the selling point, how did you market the, the I know you, you came from a head of growth background. Right. So, but, but with these mobile apps, and this was just your own thing, not with a company already. So, so how were you able to... I guess uh, market that to get the word out to get the users to download both the Android and the iPhone to eventually end up selling the, the company. Yeah, so I had to leverage free marketing, right? Because like you said, I, I was by myself, mm-hmm. and so you know, a lot of people know SEO on, on you know on on the web, so mm-hmm. uh, search engine optimization, right? So mm-hmm. how do you rank in the how do you rank on Google search terms, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, on mobile, it's called ASO, App Store Optimization, right? Mm-hmm. So like using different keywords, when people search for different things on their phone, you can rank for, you can rank when it comes up mm-hmm. and then you um, you can get your, uh, you, you're able to get uh, your downloads free. Mm-hmm. And so that's kind of it. So I got really good around that strategy. Mm-hmm. And then as far as the selling goals, let's dive into that. So who was, who was the company that bought it? Uh, and also to um, like like how much what, what what was the details on that part like how did that meeting come about to be acquired? Yeah, so I used a broker. Oh, okay. um, so uh, yeah, a broker. Um, so there are brokers that kind of actually connect people. So just like you would find a broker to sell your crib, you can find a broker to sell your um, app business, your website, oh, really? whatever. That. Right, and there's yeah. even websites where you can find app companies or websites for sale. That's what this individual decided to do. I don't know him personally, but it was just an entrepreneur that decided that they wanted to, they didn't want to start from scratch. They wanted to start from what I built already. Mm. Uh, and, uh, but yeah, for me, I was, uh, I was able to sell for uh, six, six digits. Okay. Well, six digits. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, it's not, not, not millions, but it was something that started from scratch with no investment. So, yeah. it was, it was, it was, it worked out for me. No, hell yeah. And then, and then when you when you decided to sell it, was it because you just wanted to get rid of it because you was done with it? Was it because you felt like it wasn't growing anymore? Was- a little bit of both. I wanted to move on to something else. I wasn't actually like games. I wasn't really into games, to be honest. I, I got into it because 
on the mobile platform, games actually monetize the best. Um, and that's where the growth was. Um, but I wanted to move on to something different. So at the time, I actually ended up getting back into the job market. Mm. But also, I was starting to focus mostly. I do through the games. I actually, or through the, the the gaming community, that's how I actually ended up learning about Bitcoin a few mm. years back. And I actually decided to make a Bitcoin app, uh, which now is Coin Gamma. But at the time, it was, I had another name called Bitcoin Alpha. Basically, all it had was Bitcoin prices. It was very basic. Mm. But I started getting more into to crypto, and I wanted to focus around. I wanted to build out financial apps, but not uh, crypto apps. I mean, sorry, mm. financial apps, not gaming apps. Not gaming apps. Uh, that's what you're saying. Then, so from there on, you you moved over to the Bitcoin world, um, and then and then uh, how long was the break between you sell, selling your uh, gaming company to starting this next this new Bitcoin uh, app? Uh, I've been around the same time actually so okay. there's an overlap what I need to be clear about is that I started Bitcoin app but I wasn't at that time I couldn't I wasn't living off of it so I had actually went, I, had to, I took a job so okay. ended up, yeah I ended up uh, working at the NBA oh really? Yeah. How, did you, how did you got that, how you got that job? Like. so when I was looking at different opportunities um, there was a job where they wanted somebody they, they wanted somebody to work on the international digital side of the NBA. Mm-hmm. So basically they had some they have something called NBA League Pass where you subscribe and you can watch all the games, but mm-hmm. they wanted somebody to focus on it outside the US. Mm-hmm. And so they liked me because, you know, remember I told you I worked for the African company, so they knew I knew how to work with content outside of the U.S. Mm-hmm. And then also they were focused on the mobile NBA app. And they knew I knew how to make apps. Mm-hmm. And so I was a good fit. Um, so that's kind of how that came about. Um, and then um, so I was able to, I was, foc- I was doing product growth there uh-huh. and focus on helping people, um, you know, people that wanted to watch games on NBA games. But like they live in places like Australia, China, or whatever, mm-hmm. they would do it. It was my it was my it was my job to help grow that business. Uh, that's what you're saying. Then how long were you there for before you left and focused more on the coin um bay, uh coin app? Yeah, okay. so I went, I went I was there for um uh a little over a year and then I had one more job after that and then I started focusing on um, crypto. So I, I went from there to um IAC. So IAC? Yeah, Sounds so familiar. you don't know IAC. So IAC is a crazy is a company that it's kind of like behind the scenes. They own a lot of brands that people know, right? So mm. they've been around since the '90s. They used to own they they own used to own Expedia, and then mm. they so they spun it out. Travelocity. Um, they used to own Ticketmaster, mm. Live Nation. Now they own a lot of the dating websites. So they own Match.com, Tinder, OkCupid. Mm. Um, uh, they own uh, CollegeHuber.com. Mm. So they. They're like this big conglomerate that owns a lot of different technology brands. And so they wanted somebody to come in and do growth on the, on the mobile app side. So I was over there doing growth on some of, a lot of their different mobile applications because they actually owned over 60 apps. Mm. Um, so I was doing that since this is 2017. My app started blowing up because mm. Bitcoin started blowing up. Mm. I'm investing in Bitcoin. And I'm looking at different things. And so... Um, after a while, I decided, you know, I want to make, I want to do this full time. So I ended up going full time, launched a podcast, launched a website where I started writing content around the space. Mm-hmm. And just kind of going after it. Yeah, I've been full time in the crypto space 
um, for about um, almost a year and a half now. And then as for the podcast, are you, are you still doing that too? Yeah, yeah. What's the name of the, of the podcast? It's called Coin Gamma. Coin Gamma. So yeah. spell that for the listeners. So it's a C O I N, like the, the you know coin, coin. money, and then it's Gamma G A M M A. So C O I N G A M M A. You can find it. You can find it on uh, Stitcher, iTunes, Google Play, uh, Spotify. Mm. Uh, we're actually going to start doing YouTube as well. So mm. you search YouTube on that, you should be able to find us. Or you can find us on uh, CoinGamma.com. CoinGamma. Okay, that's nice. Okay, so now, okay, so now you have CoinGamma, right? Um, so, did you have to raise money to, to I guess, to fund it, or was it all self-funded? Like, how did the fund come? It's all self-funded. Do you have a, a team involved now, or is it uh, still strictly you and it's one more person? It's me, um, but I, I leverage like um, I have some like freelancers that help me. Oh, okay. Like, we're, we're writing with editing my um, audio, um, sometimes editing my video, but for the most part, everything is, and, and also I have people that I, I contracted to help me build my website, mm-hmm. but um, I'm, I'm the only person that's like consistent. Okay, and then overall, so now the, the fact that you didn't, you didn't raise any funding for it, is, is it more of a personal choice of not, not bringing in VC money, or, or is it you just want to have, I don't know, like, is there a reason why you, you haven't gone that route, or is it you just don't want to go that route? Yeah, right now, I, I don't think I need it. I don't want to just raise it just to raise. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm not going to say I, I won't do it. Maybe mm-hmm. in the future, if the business makes sense, um, where it's a business that um, needs that kind of funding, mm-hmm. I would do it. Um, I'd rather raise funding to scale. I, don't, I, don't, I think it's tough to raise money to start. It's mm-hmm. good to raise money to scale, right? So like, if you're already making some money, but you, know, you, don't, want, you don't want VC to be... Your flame. You want VC to be your gasoline, right? I like that. You want, yeah, you want you want to you want to already have the, the fire, right? Mm-hmm. So that means that you want to already have your business set up. You want it to be making money, but if you want it to blow up, mm-hmm. sometimes you need VC to grow up, blow up faster, right? Because yeah. sometimes you just have this flame that might just flicker, right? Yeah. You want, but you want it to you want it to blast out and, and, and make it crazy. So um, that's what I want to focus on. So. I'm focused on just making you know the flame right now, and then yeah, if I if I find something that's like hot, but I want to make it you know an inferno, I'm gonna take, get some, get that VC gasoline. Yeah, nah, man, I love how you analyzed that just now. You want them to be the gasoline. That, I think that's the perfect way to really describe it. Um, so okay, so with that being said, kind of like walk us through Coin Gamma. Like, how, how what's the business model? How do you make money? If I'm a user and I come on board, what is it that I'm doing, and how and what will convince me to pay you for whatever that I need to do on the app. Yeah, so with the app, uh, we, we have a freemium model, right? So you get you use the app free, you download it free, but um, we have like some premium stuff, right? So if you want to get like, you want to just look at the, you know, your uh, crypto prices, it's free. You want to follow the news, it's free. But if you want to get like alerts, like personalized alerts based on your portfolio, um, you got to pay for that. So you got to be a subscriber. Um, so, you know, and, and for that, and, and the reason why somebody might do that is because, you know, you are um, a user that is, uh, you know, if you're more of an advanced crypto trader or investor, mm-hmm. um, you, that's beneficial to you because, you you know, you always need to kind of like stay on top of your positions and what you're investing and looking at. Mm-hmm. And so we allow you to do that. And so the goal is for us to be able to make it easy for somebody to make money uh, by giving them the information they need. Okay. Um, 
And then um, on the other side of, of the business where we, you know, we create content, um, we, uh, you know, that's more just like, that's more, uh, you know, for the most part, most of that stuff is free. Um, but what we do is we actually, you know, do things like uh, we're coming out with courses and workshops, right? So like some online courses to teach people about this space because mm-hmm. um, there's a lot of misinformation out there, obviously. Nobody knows what's real, what's fake. And also, you know, uh, I've also done, done some like in-person like um, courses in New York. So that's more of like a, business, a different business model where we kind of do workshops and, and educational um, content around um, crypto and Bitcoin. I love that. And, and just, just to make sure this app is for both iOS and Android? Right now it's iOS, iOS. but we're going to add Android soon. Okay, no problem. And then now, earlier you mentioned uh, the other venture that you're doing is uh, Token Tax. Yeah, yeah. So Token yeah. Tax is, um, so actually one of my, one of the guests on my podcast, you know, ended up, uh, you know, developing a good relationship with him and his team. And they were like, yo, listen, we got, we can use somebody with your skill set. You know, why don't you, help, why don't you join us and help us scale? And uh, they were working on something super cool. Uh, so basically, you know, if you trade crypto, it's very, very hard to kind of get taxes. Sometimes mm-hmm. people thought that just because you bought crypto, you know, the government doesn't know you don't have to pay taxes and all that. But actually, the government's on it right now. Yeah. So you better pay your taxes. <laughs> and so we uh, we make it very easy for you. It's like a it's like a, to- a turbo tax for crypto. It's a really cool business, real cool team. They're solving a big problem. And so... I'm part of the team, and I'm I'm leading growth and analytics here and business development. I'm doing that in addition to like leading Coin Gamma. Okay, and then and then um, Token Tax is also a app too, and also a website or no, nah, it's just a website. It's the website. It's the website. Just a website. So, um, you know, it's uh the the website is tokentax.co. So tokentax.co. Yeah, you can go in, hook in all your exchanges if you trade on different exchanges mm-hmm. and then you you know with a click of a button you get your tax forms right there and there man i love that man okay so from all that right so now what is the main overall goal would you like these uh two companies or whether it's you know uh coin gamma or token tax or matter of fact even if it's just you on a personal level what is five or ten years from now where, where do you see yourself and and these two ventures going what's, what's the overall goal so far I would love both of these things to have grown up and I probably, you know, both of them probably would have been sold mm. by that time. Mm. And I, I want to be able, I want to be moving on to um, a, a larger and, and greater challenge, but mm. I actually believe in this whole um, crypto domain, right? Mm. So I know I'll probably be doing something different in this domain. Mm. Um, I do think it's the future. I do think right now there's a lot of confusion around the space. I do think it's important for me to be a leader in the space just because Actually, there's not too many people that look like me in the mm-hmm. space right now, mm-hmm. and so I want to. Re- I just want to represent for the culture. I want to kind of keep growing with it, mm-hmm. and you know, if the space, you know, reaches any part of its potential, even if, if it's half of what people think, mm-hmm. it's going to be a huge space. And so, I know I, I could. I might, I, I'll be doing something in the space. I don't know. I don't know what. Mm-hmm. Um, but I would say I don't know if I would be doing exactly what I'm doing now. Mm-hmm. I probably would have uh, sold sold these two businesses um, somewhere some some sometime along the way or the businesses could have added had a it would grow into something even bigger I, I'm pretty I'm pretty over but yeah it's hard to say man one thing yeah. you know I'm, I'm you know I'm getting a little older and I've worked into a few different industries mm-hmm. what I, what I one thing I've learned to to, to to realize is that 
man, things move so fast. Yeah. Like, you know, if you told some, if you told somebody, you know, ten years ago, you know, maybe they could watch um, you know, they could they could, you know, there's no need to have any long distance cell phone service, anything like that. Mm-hmm. You could just like Look at somebody's face. Mm-hmm. It, it, the person could be in in, in, uh, in China, Iceland right Iceland, now, and yeah. I can look at their face right in this minute. Yeah. I don't have to pay for that for free. Just using this over the internet, over the air. That's yeah. not connected to a phone or connected to my computer. Yeah. Nobody will believe it, right? Exactly. And so I learned to kind of just being open. But I guess for me, my my goal is obviously is to continue growing, continue um, keep my keep you know keep a strong presence. And I know the money's gonna follow for sure, just because I'm gonna keep um, learning, applying what I learn, mm-hmm. and just scaling it out that way. Man, that's facts. That's facts. So overall, like one vibe I kind of got from you just now is basically, um, you are more of the start something and sell it. You're not looking to like start and then become the next whatever ten years from now with the same company. You, you know, you know, you know how these how most. Um, founders will, will create yeah, something, Jeff, but, but then they don't want to. Yeah, like yeah, that. Like, yeah that, that kind of stuff. You just want to like get rid of it and then start something else. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's what I'm thinking. But obviously, I think the cool thing is sometimes I'm not married to that because sometimes you you could add different angles to your business um, mm-hmm. or different subsidiaries in your business, right? So like. You know, obviously, Jeff Bezos started just selling books. Mm-hmm. And he started selling all type of things. Mm-hmm. Then he um, launched AWS. Mm-hmm. Now he, and then he got Amazon Prime. Now he's doing movies. Now he's, um, you know, he has a space company, right? Mm-hmm. So, like, he has a Washington Post, right? So, I could definitely see myself doing that for sure. Mm-hmm. I just don't think that the business at its current form would yeah. be something I would just continue doing. It kind of locks that. No. Um, so, I guess I should say that I could, you know, I could definitely see myself um, doing coin gamble going forward, um, but I, I I do think that the business would look different. Okay, that makes sense. That makes sense. Okay, now now let's say somebody wanna reach you for advice for some tips because uh, it sounds like you you've learned a lot you know throughout your career. And for those coming up, like how can somebody reach you for advice and tips? Yeah, man. Um, so I'm on I'm on LinkedIn. Um, Fresh Charles is actually my LinkedIn. Um, so you you can uh, find me there. I'm on. I'm very active on Twitter, and so um, F E Charles on Twitter, my initials. Um, and um, but if you search Fritz Charles, you probably find me because I'm probably the most active Fritz Charles on Twitter. Mm-hmm. Um, so those are those are the uh, two best things. Um, you want to check out Coin Gamma? It's Coin Gamma on on Twitter, on Instagram. So it's just it's just that those two words together. Um, and I'm, I'm the person who manages those things as well, so you can find me there too. Um, but yeah, I'm, you know, I'm always happy to chat with somebody, um, break bread. Um, you know, I, I love what you're doing. So I'm sure your, your listeners are, uh, are, are forward looking driven people. So I'm, I'm always looking to connect my, connect with those people as well. And that's what's up, man. And then I, I get to piggyback on that answer right there. Now for those people, right. Or those listeners are. The ones, the, whether they, you know, call my audience is black, but even if they're not black in general, right? Let's say if you come from a non-tech background, right? And then you want to get into the tech industry, but, you know, like me come from a non-tech background, when I first got in, I was kind of clueless, right? And also I was having like self-doubt, like, damn, like, how do I get in? What do I do? What, what do I learn? Um, it was all self-taught when I taught myself. So for you from going to that same route, come from a finance background to tech, 
what some advice can you give these upcoming non-technical uh, soon-to-be entrepreneurs or even folks that just want to get a career in the tech industry as a job? What, what's, what's, what's some words can you give them? Yeah, well, you know, go for it, first off. You know what I'm saying? Like, don't be intimidated. Um, you know, uh, people, a lot of people in tech, a lot of places in tech act like, you know, whatever they're doing is the most complex thing ever, but everybody started from somewhere, everybody's a beginner. And the beautiful thing about tech versus any other industry, like a lot of that stuff is out there, right? If you do enough Googling, you on, you know, whatever you need to learn, whether it's programming, whether it's marketing, whether it's, you know, the different competitors in the space, you can find that out there. Um, you know, I, I say, first off, try to find out, find people that you want to be like, or you want to emulate and um, follow them, right? So maybe, you know, obviously it would be great if you could connect with them in person, but, you know, that's not always realistic. But, you know, follow them on Twitter, because the cool thing about right now is that, you know, some of the smartest people that you, you know, CEOs or product managers or engineers, they're on Twitter and they just be, they share their experiences, they share what they're reading, they share what they're learning, and read what they're reading, right? Um, follow what they're following, right? See what, see what articles they share, See what, see where those articles come from, and make sure you subscribe to the same publications. And then there's a ton of open source tools, right? So like, not everybody, you know, some people couldn't go to school, some people want to go, couldn't, can't afford to go back. Some, some people, school wasn't for them. But guess what? You can go on a website called like Coursera.com, and you can actually take courses at Princeton for free, right? You're not gonna get credit for it, but you can learn exactly what they teach there for free. There's also a platform called Skillshare.com, right? So, like, you can actually learn almost anything you want to learn, right? So, for my podcast, I had, you know, the person that edited my podcast the other day was sick, but I had to get an episode out. I didn't know how to use GarageBand. I was just going to Skillshare.com, and within 10 minutes, I knew how to edit my podcast, right? Because I'm off of GarageBand. So, then obviously, YouTube, right? YouTube, you could Google almost anything and figure out how to make things work. You know, there's so many, so much good content on YouTube, and so there's no reason to to, to kind of be uh, to have a you know if you have a if you're willing to learn, you can pick up what you need to know for sure. Man, I love that, man. So, so Fred, so overall, right? So now, um, us as the people, the listener, and I, um, how can we help you? Man, I, you know, help help me by helping somebody. Uh, you know, the next person, you know what I'm saying? Everything's about paying it forward, right? I'm all about, you know, it's always going to come back to me no matter what. So it's not, I don't have a direct ask. Mm-hmm. All, I, all I ask for you is to, if you need somebody else that may be in need of some of the stuff I share, mm-hmm. share with them. Mm-hmm. And that's it. And then they're going to share with somebody else and, you know, the whole community is going to rise up and that's all that matters. Man, I love that, man. So last thing, though, with that being said, um, any last words? You know, like you have the flow right now to leave the listener with the last remark, the last statement, the last word, last sentence. What would you like to say before we go? Um, you know, uh, stay, stay, stay hungry, stay driven. You know, the, the world is yours. I came out from the moon.